In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. And I want to share with you what I did during that hour. And it's going to be a new way of praying for a lot of you. A lot of you, this may be really difficult, but I'm going to tell you what, this has been so rewarding for me. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I am Jim Ramos, your host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide to becoming your best version, whether you're living in the stress bubble or beyond. By stress bubble, we're talking about raising your family during that 20-year bubble. When you're raising your family, you're trying to thrive, and we want to help you to not only survive in the bubble, but to thrive and to come out on the other end or even in the bubble as your best version. So guys, we're continuing our series, The Effective Prayer of a Righteous Man. This is the third installation of that five-part series. And guys, I'm really excited. As I shared earlier, uh, I think in uh, uh, part one, I've been, I was burned out this summer. And uh, through that, I've I realized I need to do some things different in my life. I've readjusted my schedule. But one of the things I've been doing is I've been praying this prayer along with one other prayer. So this prayer, I prayed this prayer this morning. I prayed it yesterday morning. took about an hour. And I want to share with you what I did during that hour. And it's going to be a new way of praying for a lot of you. A lot of you, this may be really difficult. But I'm going to tell you what, this has been so rewarding for me as I listen to God speak. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to encourage you to go to YouTube and watch this podcast on YouTube. We will supply a link in the show notes. Really important if you guys can watch this video, guys. So also, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our previous two parts in this five-part series, please go back and listen to the prerequisites to hearing the voice of God. And then part two, how do you discern God's voice? Those two will really help you as we dive into today's episode. Now remember also, guys, our whole series is based on James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pray a verse in the Bible that I love, and I'm going to show you how I pray it, and I'm going to bring this into reality in your life. So I want to talk today about the first part of Psalm 4610, that first part. So I would say Psalm 4610a, and it says this, Be still and know that I am God. So I want to show you how I pray this verse 
and how it is so effective and so it's such a blessing in my life. So let's start with the first part. I'm going to break this down for you. So let's start with this. And you can memorize this if you want. It's really easy. Psalm 46, 10a. Be still and know that I am God. Say that in your car. Awesome. Be still and know that I am God. So this is, when I enter this, this prayer space, that statement, it is a call to turn to God. Turn. The key phrase is turn. I'm going to write this down. So people will often respond when I ask them, what is prayer? People respond and they'll say, oh, it's talking to God. Well, yes and no. So prayer is talking to God. That's probably part B of prayer. The first part of prayer, and this is where people miss it, prayer is actually a turn to God. It's, it's when you turn to Him. It's that moment, that, that moment before words where you turn to God and realize you're in the presence of God. So when I think of this moment when I turn to God, here's what I think of. I think of it, it's the look in Shanna's eyes when she looks at me after 30 years of marriage. It's a Maui sunset on our 29th anniversary. It's the wind blowing through the moon and palms in San Pedro, Belize. It's the underwater world of scuba diving in the barrier reef. It's seeing my eyes in my granddaughters. It's the solitude of the Oahe River at dusk. It's the midnight stars in the Trask Mountains on a moonless night. It's the purple back of a buoy 10 Chinook. It's the Ramos ears on all of my kids and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. It's driving through the mighty Columbia River during the fall. It's the color of maple leaves in October. It's the power of erupting Kwanzaa cherry blossoms in March. It's geese flying in perfect formation in February. It's the smell of blackberries in September. It's the majesty of an old-growth timber. It's the inspiration of clouds dancing against the sunset. It's the stormy waves crashing into the Oregon coast. It's the myriad colors of ducks. It's the ferocity of of a just shoots river red side trout. Got to catch that fish, boys. It's chuckers calling across canyons at sunset. It's the smell of a fresh cup of coffee. You know, it reminds me uh, when I first started working in a, at a particular denomination that was a holiness denomination. And I was like, man, you know, they, they say in their bylaws, you can't dance, you know, you can't go to movies, you know, it's super strict. And I thought, well, what, I wonder what they think about coffee. So I remember I, I went to an old retired missionary, Gordon Gibson. And he wore those glasses that change whether you're in the daylight or indoors, but his are always dark. So I remember going up to Gordon, and he was only about five foot six. I'm looking down at Gordon. I'm a 27-year-old guy. I'm looking at Gordon with his stoic face and his black, blackened glasses in a room. And I said, Gordon, is it okay to drink coffee? And he looked at me, and he got really serious. And he said, you know... Every month in the Herald of Holiness, there's a section, and it writes down, it shows every person in the denomination who stopped drinking coffee. I was like, what? And he said, it's called the obituary. <laughs> well, man, that was when I realized I can stay in this denomination, okay, because the smell of coffee makes me think of God. <laughs> so, so what are the things that turn your heart to God? What are the things that when you see them, they just make you realize how special God is. That's what we're talking about here. When I pray this prayer, be still and know that I am God, it's those things that cause me to just stop and stand in awe of the creator of the universe. It's that wordless moment 
when God has our full potential. So what I'm going to do next, I'm going to remove a word, and I want to explain what that word means in the context of my personal prayer life. So so we're going to go from be still and know that I am God to be still and know that I am. This is the next section that I pray. So when I reflect on being still and knowing that God is, or be still and know that I am, this is a call to praise. In the first section, I turn to God, I give him my full attention. In this section, I praise God. Now, I praise God, now listen, for who he is. I praise God on his, based only upon his character and nature. You know, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And that is what you are to say to the Israelites, that I am has sent me to you. And so this phrase is so important in the Bible. We think of God, the God who is the I am. What are, what are the things that characterize and make up this I am? He is the first. He is the last. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha, the omega. He is the creator of the universe. He hangs the stars. He calls them. I just, I just reflect on all the great things that make God who he is. And I praise him for those things regardless of what I'm going through at the time. Regardless if a person has cancer, I'm meeting with a guy right now, he's, he's got 10 months to live, he's dying of cancer, and he's just praising God for who he is, for who God is, because God is worthy of our praise. If we can center our focus in prayer on the, and give God our full attention and then give him our full praise no matter what our life is going on, going on in our life, it really centers us. You know, Psalm 145.10 says, all that you have made will praise you, O Lord. And then Matthew 6, 9, this is how you will pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so, I, guys, I got to tell you, and I shared this with you earlier a couple weeks ago, that when we first launched this ministry 10 years ago, our house went into foreclosure within two or three months. And what turned it around for me is when I went down to San Pedro de Belize to speak to a group of young people, and they said, man, we just reflect on the character and nature of God. And, and I, the teacher became the student, right? And I went back and I just started calling God out on his character and nature and praising him for it. And it was a game changer. You know, life can be brutal. And uh, we need to praise God because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that is something he is worthy to be praised. It is a call to praise God. So guys, we're going to continue in, in prayer, and we're going to break this down further, and I'm going to explain to you what this means to me. So we went from be still and know that I am God, to be still and know that I am, to be still and know. So we go to giving God our full attention we go to praising God, and here what we do is we go, this is a call to truth. Be still and know. You know, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, it's really interesting. One of the things I like to do when I go out to eat is I like to ask the waitress or waiter how I can pray for them. I say something like, hey, I pray for my food, and I'm going to pray for you by name. So we're at a place in Oregon uh, last year, and I'll never forget this, and uh, the place is called Pizza Schmitza. We're in Pizza Schmitza having lunch as a group of us guys, and our waitress was a gal named Kim. And she came up, and she came, and I, what I do is I get their name ahead of time because they're not always the ones that bring the food out. So I get the name of the server. So I said, hey, what's your name? And she said, Kim. I said, hey, Kim, I want to let you know we're going to pray for you by name. And she's up behind me here, so she's over my shoulder. And I said, so if you can just tell me what I can pray for you for, I would 
I'd love that. She goes, oh, are you kidding me? That's so awesome. Pray for my faith. I said, okay, I will. And, 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 my, and it got really weird and awkward. And my buddy said, she's got her head down behind you. And I looked behind me, and she's, head bat- she's ready to rock and roll, man. So I prayed this prayer of faith over her. And she said, can I tell you my story? I said, sure. She said, oh, man, I was born and raised in a real strict Jehovah Witness family. I married a, my husband. He's a strict Jehovah Witness. We went to a hotel for a trip, and I pulled out this Gideon's Bible. And I started reading it, and I realized where the sections I was reading sounded really different than my Bible. So I took the Bible home. You can take the Gideon's Bibles, by the way. Took the Bible home. I, I laid it out against my New World Translation, where if you know, they've changed it like 3,800 times. Uh, it's got so many changes to kind of refute their, their position that Jesus is not God. So they're not, they don't believe in the Trinity. And so as she began to unpack this, she, realized, she said, I realized that what I believed was a cult. And I gave my life to Jesus. And six months later, I led my husband to Jesus. But both our families are Jehovah Witnesses, and they kicked us out and they ostracized us. So pray for my faith. I don't know what to do. I need to find a church. So pray for my faith. What a bold statement. This woman gave her life to Jesus after realizing the church that had preached Jesus to her was not a Christian church. The Word of God is so powerful. You know, I've said this before. uh, I don't care about your truth. All I care about is God's truth. God's truth is what matters. So when we get to this spot, be still and know, we reflect on the truth of God. Not your truth, not your opinion, but the truth of God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is a call to truth. So when I'm praying, I break this down even further. So I go from be still and know that I am God. I turn to God with my full attention. Then be still and know that I am. I praise God for who he is. And then be still and know. I I reflect on and call out the truths of God. The next thing I pray is simply be still. Be still. You're going to love this, guys. Watch this. To be still is a call to listen. It's a call to listen. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. You know, God speaks the loudest to us when we're the quietest. He speaks the clearest when we're silent. Psalm 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. You know, I when I pray, guys, I go to the dark. I turn the lights off in the room. I remove all stimulus. I close my eyes. I get in a comfortable position, and I, I just wait. And I hold my pen in one hand. I hold my piece of paper in the other hand, and I wait for God to speak. And I write down so much. I fill up pages in the context of an hour. Take the time to be still, to listen to God. And the next thing I do, guys, is this. I break it down again. To one word. This is a call to trust. As I said earlier, life can be brutal. I'm doing a study with a guy right now who's going to die in 10 months. Unless God does something miraculous, he's done. And we're studying heaven. And he's at a point right now where he has to trust God. I've got another friend who's got cancer right now, and he's battling cancer. Over and over again, we see how brutal life can be. And sometimes the only space that we can survive is turning to God with our full focus, praising God for who He is, relying on God's truth, listening 
to God speak and just trusting that God has this. I shared with you a story about my house going into foreclosure. I also shared earlier that I was praying Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 in my life. Man, I also told you I was praying God's character and nature during this time. It was a real stressful time of life. And then somebody invited me to go to dinner. They, they asked my wife and I to go to dinner, so we went to dinner. And they said, where do you want to go? We said, well, hell, it's somewhere that has meat. We've been doing top ramen and macaroni and cheese because we got no money, you know. So uh, we, we went and had lunch this re- or dinner at this restaurant. And at the time, payday was coming up on a Friday. At the time, it was a Wednesday. And we are $1,100 short of me getting paid. $1,100. That's a lot of money to come in three days. This couple sat down with us, and they said, hey, we're, we sold a piece of property. We want to support your ministry. And they took a folded check, and they slid it across the table. Now, rule number one is when you take the folded check, you just kind of take it and you slip it into your pocket. You don't look at it. You just thank you. Because I knew how much was there. I knew how much was there. I'd been praying and I knew how much was there. Do you know how much was there? I knew it was $1,100. I knew it. I didn't have to open the check. As I began to put the check into my pocket, the husband said, hey, you may want to look at that check. So I took the check my wife next to me, I opened the check up. Guess how much it was? $30,000. And that was the moment where I realized that God had us. We've grown to six paid staff. Right now we have over $80,000 in the bank. Not in my personal bank, but in our account with Men in the Arena. And man, we're just praising God for who He is because, you know, sometimes you just have to trust God and be. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, in the midst of a brutal life, you can trust the God who is, and you can be in that space of trust. Hey, make sure you head on over to menintherain.org, grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. While you're there, guys, click the button. Move from an engaged follower to a committed learner, a committed participant. Click that button. Join our programs. Our teams are launching through the fall. Get involved. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Listen up to God and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at menintheArena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.